The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. This podcast made possible through the partnership of Engaging Mission Show, bringing missions home, and encouraging you to hear a message, make connections, and take action. Find out more at engagingmissions.com. Welcome to From the Forefront, an FX Missions podcast. Stories about courageous souls who felt the call of missions and obeyed. Hi, Scott McClellan with your FX Missions From the Forefront podcast. Thanks for joining us. Pretty exciting day for me here. I can say that much. And why, you might ask? Well, we're being joined by the person who helped us launch this podcast in the first place. Samara, whose last name will remain nameless. Hi, Samara. Hi. I could say something about protecting your identity because you're in (laughs) the dangerous regions of the world, but that's not true. That's not true. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just going to say, I'm not saying why I'm protecting your last name. Okay. Anyway, thanks for joining us, Samara. Yeah, no problem. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are having the great good fortune of having you back after the initial From the Forefront podcast of By the way, folks, if you haven't heard it from the forefront, episode one, you got to check that out. Good stuff. And I think when we recorded that, we actually weren't planning to make it, you know, in podcast form. It was just so I wouldn't have to take so many notes for my interview that I was writing. And it turned out to be so good that we did. We did launch it that way. So uh, thanks again for what you're doing and for joining us here. Yeah, great. We're going to dig into a subject, I think, that uh, isn't talked about very much. And I think it's important, in my opinion, and we may go around the subject. We're talking about the gender situation when it comes to missions. You yourself, Samara, have been on the field for six years in Thailand and for a year prior to that on the world race. Yep. What can you, I mean, I know you've got a lot that comes to mind. For those analytics professors who are listening, we're not going to talk on both sides of the decimal point here, right? (laughs) 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 Because we have uh, feelers on the line and not not logic-based individuals. But I think it's safe to say, and I would love if somebody's listening to this would actually feedback the details to me about percentages hard percentages, but there are a lot of single ladies that are on the field. Yes, a ton. Now, 
a lot of people think there are, well, there are a lot of men on the field too. But when you think about it in that way, we got to be careful not to include the married men <laughs> in our equation, right? Right. The, the men don't match up to the women, and for sure they don't match up in terms of numbers when you start talking about people who aren't married. Right. Oh, yeah. Give us an initial scan there, Samara. Talk to us a little bit about what you've observed when it comes to this gender scenario. Let's call it that. We don't, I don't want to draw it into a dark light in any way. Just want to talk about it and understand it a little bit. Yeah. Well, here just for a example, when I did the world race, my squad, so the group that traveled together to all the different countries, had 40 people on it. And of those 48 of them were men, one of whom was married. So that gives you a pretty good idea of the statistics. And my squad is not unique. That is how that's how it is. You're lucky if you get 10 guys on a group of 40. So it's like a a fourth. And then living in Thailand for six years, I meet single girls all the time. And married couples are always wanting to set me up on single girl dates. They'll be like, can I set you up on a date? And I get all excited thinking it's with a man, but it's always with a girl. Always. (laughs) Just (laughs) for friendship because there's not single guys. And granted, I do work in Thailand. And so a lot of Christian sending organizations don't encourage single men to move to Thailand because of all of the sex trade and um, sex culture. And so it'll be too much of a risk or I don't know, temptation, but yeah. So maybe that's one of the reasons that there's not that many single dudes there, but there are a ton of single women. A ton. Mm. And I, I think that, that, I mean, thanks for sharing that. I think your squad, mm-hmm. you actually got, we could do the math on that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting math worthy figures. From you. It just came to my mind. I was like, oh, I actually do have numbers that I can give you. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you had 32 and eight there and one guy was married. So It'd be 33 to 7, right? Mm-hmm. Or 32 yeah. to 7, yeah. which if we carry the one and, we, you know, we could do the math on that. But no obviously that's more than 4 to 1. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 4 to 1 may be not like representative mm-hmm. in general, and I don't think we'd say 4 to 1. But the figure I've heard, I believe I heard the figure fairly recently that it was uh, 70, 30 or 75, 25. So that'd be more like three to one. I think that number is very, very likely. Mm -hmm. And possibly somebody's done the long research. I don't know. But regardless of all of that, the fact stands there and looks back at us that there's a lot more ladies, single ladies on the field than there are single guys, maybe especially so in Thailand. Mm -hmm. And I hear what you're saying about the culture there. Mm -hmm. But I think we're already working with a scenario that puts fewer young men, young single men or older single men on the field than it does ladies. Now, we talked a little bit before about, you know, what what are some thoughts as to why that might be? What do you think? Well, I have a couple thoughts. And one is just and again, like these are 
my thoughts and theories and opinions, <laughs> not researched <laughs> or proven. So you can't like back check me really. But um, one is I think that just society put, especially I can, I guess, American society puts this pressure on young men to perform and to pursue a career to provide for their family. And so you graduate from college, you need to get into a career so that you can make money to provide for a family. And right. so women don't have this pressure. And so we are more free to follow the whims of, we can call it the Holy Spirit. It, we can call it our adventurous spirit, whatever you want. Like people don't question those decisions as much because I, we could go into deep. Why? Why aren't we questioned as much? Maybe it's just a phase for the girls or whatnot. But I think there's just more pressure for men to get a job and work. But why are more women? Why do we want to more? And I think that can we can we pause it right there? Yeah, I, I think you're going to seg you're going to segue to that other you know that second thought. Uh -huh. I want to just encapsulate there a little bit on the first thought, and then let's move on to the want to side. Uh -huh. So you got the expectations of society, you know, Western society or North mm -hmm. America, United States uh, mm -hmm. culture puts us into a set of expectations that are not expressed, but that are present in the culture Sure. to get get to work, get busy, get serious, get a job, right. get, get, get your career path prepared and engaged in that and get moving. I think over the over maybe at least recent decades, there's been more of a that's a general communication of the culture, mm -hmm. regardless of gender. Yeah. But maybe especially it's leaning maybe 65, 35 toward the guys. Well, and if we focus specifically on Christian culture in America, there is that more that the man is the head of the household. The man provides for the family, all of that where. American culture outside of Christianity is shifting a little bit more so that women are more equal and women can have these jobs and we can, women can be the providers, the breadwinners or whatnot. But within the church, there's still that under undercurrent that the man is the head, the man is the provider. If a man wants to go to the field, he'll wait until he has his wife first. Or his wife and an established XYZ prepared in advance, all that kind of stuff, right? A lot of couples in America that talk about, well, yes, we want to go in the field, but we want to get this business rolling so that we don't have to support race. And so there's a lot more of just that, like providing. And I think mm -hmm. a lot, a lot more pressure on men than at least than I've ever felt as a woman. Okay. I'm intrigued and I could go in a lot of ways here. Are you, you and, you're making me want to break molds here. Samara, I want to break some molds. I even think about like questions that would be asked of the man of like, are you sure this is the right thing for you to do or how, for your family? How are you protecting your family? Like what kind of situations are you bringing your family into? And I think there's just a lot more pressure on men to protect their family and yeah, protect and provide that well, single women definitely don't have to deal with. And then single men, I guess, again, I think they just want to be married before they go out in general. Culturally speaking, now we're talking about American culture and we're talking about 
church culture in America. Of course, two different things. Two different things. In some ways, they there's an ebb and flow, and there's some informing of the two that are the yeah. two cultures are informing each other to yeah. a degree. Mm-hmm. But in general, in culture, something I've noticed in recent years is that people are young people are waiting later to get married, yes. which also would probably contribute to this if the guy's thinking, hey, I got to wait till I get married and be and I'm established and then I can answer this call. Uh-huh. That would even contribute to this these numbers as well sure. in a way that would be measurable for those actuaries uh, that are listening yeah. or <laughs> people with spreadsheet skills that are listening. I think we could dig more and more into that. And I appreciate your your thoughts there. But I do think that is, there's are some of the factors we're dealing with. Let's shift gears now to the desire piece. Let's go there. Can you help us? Yeah. Well, I mean, I just giggle <laughs> because it's like, I really don't like the Christianese language, but I'm going to use some. There, oh, you don't have you don't have to you don't have to use that. I mean, we're we're big people. I feel like there's the word you even just said, like the call. And over my many years, many years, I just even wrestle with that, quote unquote, the call from God to the nations or the call to be a missionary. Mm-hmm. And we could go on a whole nother podcast about this because mm-hmm. I think that as a follower of Jesus, everyone is called to be a missionary and we should all be living missional lives no matter where we are. But leaving the States is a completely different thing than the call to be a missionary. I'm whatever I'm rambling, but I, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take you up on that other podcast. Let's do that because I think that's important. that Your perspective gets, gets out there, but let's don't go keep going. Let's go to the, why the want to the, want the adventure to. desire the the mm-hmm. want to go abroad the why does every woman alive want to go to Italy I mean right I think that there is like the adventure spirit inside of us like just wants to see the world I think that's alive in a lot of people of just wanting that adventure let's be just straight up honest I I mean I went on the world race so I know that this is an underlying motive. A lot of people get to see the world on other people's buck if they're missionaries. And I'm sorry, like, but that sucks, but it's would you, would you want to say that? <laughs> would you say that again? And you don't have to restate it. I want to, I want to hear it again. Just like you said, it. <laughs> a lot of people can see the world on other people's buck. Like, that. <laughs> like in buck there, you're talking, obviously dollars. You're talking um, about missions gives a lot of people the opportunity to see the world at somebody else's expense. And shoot, like, I feel like I could be getting myself in so much trouble. <laughs> and I mean, I'm a support raised missionary. So here we are talking about this. But um, I, I think that needs to be said. And I don't think that many people are saying that. Uh-huh. So thank you for your courage and keep going. You know that I, I write poems. I have three poems that are written about missionaries that are all entitled Go Home. <laughs> so there's just a lot of different types of missionaries on the field. And I think a lot of them need to go home. You can be a missionary in the United States. You do not need to go overseas. So I think that the adventure, I think that a lot of single women are the most 
overlooked demographic in the church. Again, I'm throwing out superlatives the most, but I really do believe that. Single men are always called to be leaders and to be role models and given these positions because men can be given positions in the church, even if they're not married. Whereas a woman in the church quite often needs to be married before they have any sort of standing. And that even comes from their husband. And so I think that being a missionary gives... You said said a lot right there. Um, yeah, I did. I, I have no objections to how much you said, but I think we we want to give people a chance to think about what you said. It's like you read. I'm sure you read, and you probably read quite a lot. Uh-huh. Did you ever get an audiobook of a book you've already read and listened to it? Yeah, they're great. I love them. They are great, and they're good to reinforce, and I love audiobooks, and I love reading, but they're not the same thing. Not the same thing. Because the author, I love the, I love the audiobooks where the author actually is reading. Yeah, me too. They're my favorite. Oh, it's it's the best. But exactly. I, I want to say I want to say, hey, Colin Powell, stop! I'm trying to think about what you said. Uh-huh. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> give sure. me a sec. You know, you know. So I want to give a little process time there because you said uh, so much, and then you were just getting ready to hit us with the uppercut, and I just was afraid we would be knocked completely out by that. So, yeah, the status thing, the opportunity thing, the thing about. Really about meaningful contribution. Yeah. So much of what you said there. Huh, I've got so many feelings here. We don't talk about it. And I think a lot of people want to believe it's not true. But if you look, it's true. If you look, if like people open their eyes and look at church leadership, you will see single men. You will. But you will see very few single women. You'll see women, but they're typically married to someone else on staff as well, pastor's wife. Are you going to dig into that one too? I mean, you're just, you're, you're, you're on fire here, Samara. Yeah. All that to say, I think that, oh, can I go on to the next point? <laughs> Did we get processing time? We got it. Go ahead. So I think that a lot of women and, you know, sure, God maybe calls us. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to like, Sit water down the call or whatever. But I think that a lot of women want to just be recognized or want to have a name and so become a missionary so that they become can become known. That's really sad because you are not very known anyways because you live in a different country. To me, I think we're the potential of we're there are multiple things here that are working in my mind. One is if you are a person who went from being lost, as we all did, Mm -hmm. to meeting Jesus, being saved, being animated by the light of heaven, recognizing that there's a peace you've never known and now it lives inside of you, all this kind of good stuff, you get, there's a sort of motivation that goes with this reality, Mm -hmm. especially early on. Mm -hmm. And for me, I have a thing like, okay, now I want to have some type of valid contribution. Right. Okay, so we got two things there that may potentially be similar or maybe equivalent motivators. Yeah. One is to have a contribution. The mm-hmm. other might be to be recognized. Yeah. But they're both motivators. And, you know, there may be some overlap or even some of the same, both of those things working in yeah. people's lives. And I'm sure that they are. Yeah. And I mean, not that I, I'm not like, cannot be on a pedestal. Like, I guarantee you that being recognized by my church was one of the motivators in my coming, going overseas. Like, 
I would be lying and be inauthentic if I said that that wasn't true. And what ended up happening is I came home from my first furlough and all of my expectations of recognition were like thrown out the window and I had this major crash because that can't be your motivator and people are imperfect and you're not like if you're looking for recognition from man, you're probably not going to get it. It had to come from God. And so I've grown a lot over the six years and I have zero expectation of people knowing my name or pronouncing it right at my church anymore. But yeah, I mean, that was there for me. And I know that it's there for other women. I was thinking that, what that is, that's fascinating. Please, <laughs> please keep going. You've got me. I'm in rapt attention here. About one of the ways that single women are often able to work in the church and its children's ministry. And it just kind of made me laugh because then once single women, oh my gosh, we're going to go on a tangent, tangent, but um, this is going to probably be a soapbox. But once single women are on the field, the oftentimes are on a team, oftentimes their team is going to be a married couple. And oftentimes their contribution to the team is babysitter. And I think it is one of the most tragic things that happens to single women on the field because we can be, we are so free because we don't have a family that we have to provide for. We don't have bedtimes and nap times. We don't have to have special family days. We have so much freedom. We have so much time that we could really be investing in the culture and investing in the people. And teams, and this is not my team. My team is super awesome. It's exempt from this. But so many teams view the single women as babysitters. And it's like what you're trying to escape from the church follows you onto the field. And that sucks. And so I just want to say to like families on the field, your single women are vast resources and can do so much more than just babysitting your children. Thanks for your transparency. I appreciate your courage. And I, and I know that is likely to check some people up right there, <laughs> which is awesome. We need to be checked up. We're addressing a lot of stuff, important stuff that needs to be said and thought through in a non-judgmental way. I think it's easy for people to have opinions who don't have an, any kind of experience or mm -hmm. maybe Idealism, you know, flourishes in an environment where it doesn't have to be prosecuted against reality. Oh if you goodness. don't have a context to prosecute your ideas against, you never know if they're valid or not. So obviously this is coming from experience. And thanks for sharing that. Now, let's digress just a little if we can. Uh -huh. If you want to talk maybe just a little bit more about the desire element yep. and how you see that as being part of why we end up with a lot more of one gender on the field than we do the other. Is there more to say about that? Well, I do also think, and <laughs> this is so funny. I'm like, I'm calling out us girls because we are so, we're guilty. I think single women missionaries are great, but we are guilty. A lot of girls, women go on the field with the hopes and desires to find their husband. And this is one of the most flawed, logical things in the world. Like if you're getting ready to go on a field as a single woman, you should just be ready to be single for a long, long time, or even just open to the possibility of a relationship with the local. And that just is the reality. We talked about the like one to three ratio or whatever. 
this is <laughs> this is experience i have situations when a new like single man missionary comes to chiang mai thailand the girls it's like we have this radar and people like start talking about him right away and the first time that he comes to a party so the party is like full of 15 girls and maybe two other guys and this new single guys on the field it's like all the women are like on the prowl to just like jump and try to get get that one and is really sad and really kind of gross there's a lot of jealousy when um single girls meet a single guy missionary and that like happily ever after there's jealousy and there's a mourning for the other girls mm. that quote unquote lost if we're looking yeah. at it that way yeah i mean i know i know a person i know somebody that went on the field and she told me like this is before we we both left around the same time from america she told me well if I want to be a missionary, I'm most likely to find someone like-minded on the field. And not even two years in, not even two years in, she was telling me, well, I guess the reality is if I want to find a husband, I'm going to do better finding one in America. And it was just like, your motivation should not be finding a man. And if it is, like, your motivation needs to be checked, ladies, because... Mm. There's not that many out there and the ones out there are married more, more likely or not, or just like kind of weird. That's another reason that a lot of missionaries get on the field is that they're weird. Like girls and guys, it's like they don't quite fit in. They're a little like quirky and so they can go overseas and their quirkiness is easier, easily overlooked in a different culture because the locals don't have our same cultural expectations or nuances. So you get all sorts of people on the field that are interesting, that are different. <laughs> and a three to one, what, single guys out there who are considering to go on on the field, it's going to be a target rich environment, gentlemen. Hey, I'll yeah. Guys, <laughs> if there are single guys listening, like. Ah, that's yeah. hilarious. Three There's to one, guys. Come on. Th- at least three to one. No, I uh, am only <laughs> joking. Sort They're often very beautiful. Like that, sometimes I like look and look around the room. And I'm like, I am surrounded by beautiful, smart women that are such catches. But uh-huh. we live in this fishbowl of other beautiful <laughs> women. <laughs> You're making me laugh, and I don't know why I'm laughing, but only because I think I have observed what you're saying and know it to be true. That is, uh, that's, I don't know how to say it. That's amazing. We're talking about gender situations in the field. This is also very true, maybe a little bit less true or a little bit less emphasized in short-term work because you're not going short-term for six months, typically. You're going short-term while you have vacation from your job or whatever, whatever, whatever. But still, it, it remains a large disparity, I guess you'd say, mm-hmm. in the guys who go versus the girls. And, you know, we lead teams and we go here and there, and I'm super masculine guy, so I don't have any trouble getting other guys on the team, but it always is more girls than guys, almost always. Or, you yeah. know, even though I'm, I'm doing a guys-only trip, that's the only way I can get more guys on the trip than, than girls is to not invite ladies on that particular trip, you know? so. 
It's a real deal. It is. It's a really interesting. I don't know. I think it sets up some challenges in the environment. I think it sets up some potential pitfalls in the environment. Yeah. Talk to us about that. I am like the biggest fan of my team where they're a married couple and they have their kids. And so if it wasn't for me joining them on the field, I think that I would have done a lot of the pitfalls that I'm going to talk about. They really set up, set me up for success. And I even rebelled against it a little bit. But one of the like the big things that happens a lot with single girl missionaries is that they find the expat community, the the single girl missionary community, and they plug in there. And so they make their relationships to other single girl missionaries and they do all of their socializing with the other single girl missionaries and they they live in the houses with the other single girl missionaries. And it's just like their life easily becomes this little subculture within the culture that they're supposed to be ministering to. And they maybe like, whatever, if that's what you want. But my team told me within the first couple of weeks of me being, well, first of all, I moved in with them. So I lived with the family and we lived like that for the first four years of being on the field. But um, they told me within the first couple of weeks that it would be, it's more beneficial for me to stay home and be at home than to go and socialize with other Westerners until I get my grounds in the culture. And I am so grateful for that. And it was not a walk in the park. I was lonely. I I got off Facebook because it's really easy to wish that you're back and look at all the pictures of all your friends in America doing all the things and wearing all the cute clothes and to really wish that you were home. So I had to get off of Facebook. But because we those limits and those like boundaries were put on my time, I made Thai friends. I learned how to speak Thai. I knew my neighbors. I go on outings with Thai people. I'm very immersed. And I still have Western friends in Thailand and single girl friends. And I would go to some of the the parties or some of the events, but like very sparingly. And I had girls that had lived in Thailand almost as long as me or longer than me that would always just say, you're just so immersed in the culture, like, or talk about my language skills, like it was some miracle. And it was always so astounding to me because it's just choices, it's priorities. And so another thing that my team leader says is not to make choices based off of comfort or fear. And so a lot of the choices I believe that missionaries make when they're first on the field are comfort-led choices or fear-based choices. And so because of how we started, I learned to be more independent for one. I learned to be my friend. I learned how to be part of the family that my team is. And then I learned how to make Thai friends, which is not easy. But if I wanted friends, I wanted them to be locals. And so, and it's not easy and it's not perfect. And oh my gosh, it's not easy. How many times did I say that? Three is not easy, but it was so... (laughs) so worthwhile. I feel sad for the girls that after three or four years of living in Thailand, don't feel like they have Thai friends or don't feel like they can communicate well enough in Thai language to have meaningful conversations or meaningful relationships. It's just sad to me. Mm, That is sad. And it, it also is encouraging to hear that you got some, some great early advice there that yeah. puts you in a in a better position 
to succeed, especially as it related to the context that they knew you'd be up against there. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's it's hard to say too much for, you know, in celebration of a good team. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And I'm I'm super thankful that you had that advantage. And not not everybody does, I guess, have that have that advantage. It's really true. I have I can never I can talk about them all day. Like I have been set up with a really good team. And we have our stuff. We have our fights and qualms and whatnot. But I think mm-hmm. it's because we've fought and because we've worked through the stuff that, that we're as successful as we are as a team. Yeah, no no question. That all real relationships are gonna be like that. They're gonna have all phases and all <laughs> emotions, you know, they're going to have a lot of phases and a lot of emotions and thank God for it. I mean, I think that's living. Yeah. One of the things that occurs to me that I, as we're talking about this gender mm-hmm. gap, maybe gender situation, as I called it earlier, mm-hmm. but I think it really is a gender gap in missions, Christian, foreign Christian missions from a U.S. perspective. Mm-hmm. That's about the only way to say that, I think, yeah. because we're we're that's who we are and that's what we're talking from. Yeah. It doesn't really take into consideration other cultures necessarily or what is foreign missions from their point of view. Right. So it it is what it is. But I think one thing we need to also mention that also contributes to the situation that we hadn't talked about yet. Mm-hmm. We talked about more or less freedom. Mm-hmm. from a culture, a Christian culture, from a U.S. Christian culture perspective. And we also talked about desire, mm-hmm. desire to be recognized. I, and yeah. mentioned desire to have a contribution. Mm-hmm. And we talked about desire to find a husband. <laughs> also, so there's several desires in there. One of the things we didn't talk about, and I think bears mentioning, and we'll we'll start to wrap it up here. And I definitely want to take you up on that other podcast. Yeah. Uh, downrange. One thing we didn't mention is that with U.S. Christian culture, in a self-contained way, in a national way, or in a what would you call that, a local way, mm-hmm. it's predominantly female. Mm. Sure. I don't know about in your experience, but in my experience, you see a larger number of ladies who are involved locally or in local church work inside the United States. And I don't know those numbers. And I Googled it a little bit. There's I think it's demonstrable inequality, if you will, in terms of numbers. Yeah, I think we start off. That's kind of maybe the foundation of what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. is that there's a bigger group of ladies who are hearing the call. Yeah, sure. For sure. The call. Yeah, like the call going out from the stage, mm-hmm. the audience. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, under the sound of the audience. I'm not going to pick on your call sensitivity <laughs> word. I'll do that in the next podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? That as people are saying, hey, we got this trip coming up or this is going on or, hey, do you want to go and, and do some relief work or there's something going on? We're going to send a team to India, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. There's more people in the audience that are female hearing that mm-hmm. than there are that are guys who are hearing it. Yeah. So just a little plug for the guys here as we wrap it up. One of the things that was very appealing to me and that I felt like the Lord used in my 
on-ramp to missions, this is probably going to ruffle some people's feathers. Mm -hmm. I'd like to get your scan on it nonetheless. From my perspective, the ministry world in church life in the United States, the stage is a crowded place. In fact, they're trying to get one more person on the stage and 10 more people are trying to get on the stage. Mm -hmm. It's a crowded situation. You are looking for, if you're that person who's been animated by the grace of God, you're looking to have some kind of a meaningful contribution to others in that way. And a lot of times people feel like they have to do that on the stage. Mm Mm-hmm. I, we don't talk about something else we don't talk about, but you don't really, you're not serious about God if you don't have a calling to the ministry, getting back on your word. You're yeah. not serious about God. If you're serious about God, then you must be called to preach. Now, there's a really old, old-timey old word, but you see what I'm saying? That's the way the culture works silently, yeah. but with force, with force, that, that thing's there. Mm-hmm. Clearly, yeah, it's a misleading force, but it is there. And then people feel like they need to be serious about God. So they're going to do something from a professional ministry standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get me started, but you start running through those traps and through that gauntlet and over and under and sideways and trying to hit all those check boxes and, and making sure you qualify and all that kind of stuff. And don't make anybody mad and you're a good guy and you got a great sense of humor, whatever else you're trying to meet these requirements. That's going to give you an opportunity to be put on the stage or not disqualify you from being put on the stage because everybody wants a contribution. And the only way you get that in American Christianity is the stage. Right. For me, missions was an opportunity to have a meaningful contribution that wasn't as competitive. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think for me, that was something early on that was incredibly appealing to me mm-hmm. because I had a sense of contribution. And the first, you know, I've been on 150 short-term trips, whatever, I don't know, mm-hmm. maybe between 100 and 150. I've failed to count the last so many. I don't count for a long time now. But in the first 10 trips, the contribution I can promise you was to me. <laughs> yeah. well, I was being contributed to before I had anything to give, you know. Oh, absolutely. Me too. But over time, I think that contribution shifts and you're in a position where you're contributing and being contributed to. It never is one direction. It's always, yeah. it's always uh, you know, mutual, I think. Well. Everything that you just said, I absolutely agree. And I believe it's there and I see it and I can feel it. But as you're talking, I'm like, it all just comes down to an identity thing. Even that desire to contribute comes down to like my identity. And where does my identity as a follower of Jesus come from? Does it come from recognition of the church and my contribution, which is actually just performance? Is it, does my identity come from checking these ticks and showing people that I can do these things? Or does my identity come from the fact that I am beloved by God and he loves me 100% even if I never do anything? And that is like a new stage that I'm walking in now. I went through 
we can call it a deconstruction of faith. And at that, God just really met me with Samara. Even if I never became a missionary and never, even, even if I never chose to follow Jesus, his love for me wouldn't change. He still loved me. And so I don't know, while you were saying all these things, I'm like, yeah, that's so rampant in the church. And that's sad because the church is where we should be learning that our identity doesn't come from any of that stuff. And character Mm. needs to be more important to us than charisma and recognition, but like a deep well of character. And again, this is a different topic, but I was just like identity, identity. And I know that a lot of people, not everybody, and I'm sure that the call is real and whatnot, but like a lot of people want to be a missionary to have a a solid source of identity, Mm. but it's not where the source should really be. Wow. Because it's the foundation won't stand. That's some poignant words you've got there, Samara, yeah. and, and very good stuff. I think that may be our our next, next podcast <laughs> because we've already got one on the call and then we've got identity downrange. So very, very cool stuff. And maybe, I mean, it's a parting thought here, but maybe we'll make a, a movie and it can be a documentary deconstructing Samara. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh my God. Are you going to star or are you going to consult? Uh, I would have to star. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. I thought so. So I'm like the most awkward person in front of a camera in the world. So. Well, that I mean, that's all part of the fun of this documentary we're doing uh, on I'm, the person who's awkward in front of the camera, who's being de- deconstructed, <laughs> whose poems are being plastered on walls. And So if we do the next, next podcast on the call, can I read my go home poems? They are funny. Absolutely. <laughs> they're funny, but they're also like. Ooh. Yeah, they're they're sharp. Yeah, they're sharp. and insightful and funny, and probably directed at me at different points of my. <laughs> <laughs> as as all good truth is, first directed at us. That's good stuff. Samara, thank you very much for being here. Thank you for your transparency. I'm just blown away mm. by your courage, and I'm impressed by it. So I really. Really appreciate it. I'm. I know you're heading back yeah. to Thailand soon, and by the time that we this gets published, you'll be there. Oh, good. That's good. Safe in the you're border. Long gone. No <laughs> one can chase you down in the far reaches of Omaha, Nebraska. They're going to have to get more committed to come across the big, big water and look you up. But we'll be praying for you. We will try to get you in rotation again, and it would be great if I could record with you before you leave. I don't know if that's work going to work or not, but we'll we'll talk about it. Can I say, I know that we're like short on time, but one last thing to single women. Please. Just again, I have been a single woman. I'm 31. So get that number out there for everybody. 31. I've been on the field for a lot of my adult life as a single woman. And I was guilty for undervaluing myself because I was single and thinking that I needed to have a husband to have that value, even on the field. And I'm now in a relationship and I'm, as I'm coming to this, like, Oh, I'm maybe, I'm maybe not going to be a single, like I might actually get married. 
I feel like I wasted some of my years as a single woman missionary feeling sorry for myself for not being married. So yeah, just to single girls, if you follow that call, value yourself for what you are and what you are is a powerful woman of God and you don't have the boundaries and you don't have all of the time constraints that families do and you can make cover so much ground as a single person that you can't cover once you're in that relationship. So I kind of feel like I'm even in a grieving stage of my singleness as this relationship progresses. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> all the years praying for a husband, and I'm like, oh no, I'm not going to be single anymore. It's funny. Wow. Wow. Well, yes. For those of you who want to feel deeply. <laughs> <laughs> As I know you do. All the feelings. I want to have all the feelings and I want to feel them deeply. Okay. Well, I'm with you. I have a little empath in me, but don't tell anyone. Okay. It's hidden under your very masculine outside. Yeah. My masculine shielding reflects most of that detection. Thanks for mentioning that, Samara. And this work of transparency, I'm super thankful for it as I am for your friendship. If somebody wants to reach out to Samara or find out more about what you guys are doing, Mm -hmm. how would they do that? I have a blog that is not updated as much as it should be called Mm storytimewithsunshine.com. That's easy one. All of the words are spelled like they should be. Storytimewithsunshine. Or I can be emailed sunshinesamara at msn.com. I'm a pretty avid email checker. I'm going to pick at you about the MSN address only a little, but I know you do check it. So that's the main thing about email, not, you know, where it lives, but that you check it. So storytimewithsunshine.com. I pay for the name. So there's no other things. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate that. And I respect it. Mm. All these people with the dot something else.com. Come on, guys. No, come on. Bone up. Let's get legit here. And then Sunshine Samara. And Samara is S-A-M-A-R-A. Very easy. Yep. Very cyclical. Very, what would you call it? Uh, Constant vowel, constant vowel, constant vowel. And all of the vowels are A's. Hey, come on. This is easy, guys. Sunshine Samara at Mm MSN.com. Wow. We're easy to impress as we've impressed ourselves. (laughs) Thank you, Samara, so much for being here. And I'm Scott McClelland for FX Missions. And from the forefront, if you'd like to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com. Do leave us a rating on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And let us know if you know someone that should be featured on Mm. From the Forefront. We'd love to talk to them. Thanks again for being here. Until next time, have a good one. Thanks for joining us for the FX Missions podcast from the forefront. If you'd like to find out more about FX Missions, please do so at our blog, fxmissions.com. Quite a bit of content out there. We hope you enjoy it. Also, if you'd like to rate us on iTunes or whatever podcast service you use, we would really appreciate it. And find out more about today's guest at our Facebook page. Just search for From the Forefront on Facebook. If you know of someone who should be featured 
on from the forefront because of their forefront missions, experience, or exploits, please reach out to us at info at fxmissions.com. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, I'm Scott McClelland, and you have a good one.